Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stick to Football. This is Matt Miller, joined, as always, by my buddy Connor Rogers. Say hi to everyone, Connor. What's going on, everybody? And for one more week, I feel like I'm announcing a concert. We've got Marshall Miller, Mr. Mello, about to go back to school like Billy Madison. Yeah, yeah. I got my boots tied up, my lunch pack tight. Hope you don't get in a fight. Uh, That'll yeah. probably happen. <laughs> Mello goes back to being a teacher and a football coach next week, so we've got him for one more week. But uh, we have a great show for you guys. I'm back and alive from Alaska. I know that that was, was a little touch and go, but I made it back. Um, so we do have a lot going on. We have Peter King from Monday Morning Quarterback. We're going to talk to him about, uh, he thinks Don Hudson is like the greatest football player of all time. He made a good argument for it, though. Valid points. I don't know that I agree with him. I'm still a Jerry Rice guy. If you were checking my Twitter last night, you saw that. But he, he had some really interesting things to say. He did. Uh, we're also going to run through our top 10 fantasy football players in a PPR league. We know you guys want more fantasy stuff. We're going to give it to you. We're also going to preview the AFC and NFC North. No surprise who I'm picking to win those two divisions. And then we're going to close out the show taking your questions in our draft on draft segment. Uh, but let's start the show off this week. Um, like I said, I was gone in Alaska last week. And it, the way like, you know, cell phones, I, I wasn't going to pay the like $50 a day for Wi-Fi on the boat because I'm a cheapskate. So when we got to Alaska, you know, your phone starts working again. We pull into Juno and I like turn my phone on at six in the morning. And I, I swear I probably had 50 like Bleacher Report app notifications. Oh god! <laughs> and it saved my life because it was like, oh, my God, like Mike Williams might be out for the year. Forrest Lamp is hurt. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's hurt. And so in order for us to go around the league, which we're going to do in our first segment here, I, I would have been a lost puppy without those news alerts. So uh, thank you uh, to the Bleacher Report team for feeding my obsession. But Connor. Uh, let's start off talking about this. Jay Cutler is back. Ryan Tannehill is out. You are a fan of the New York Jets and, and AFC East team. How do you see this? Uh, let's, the Patriots are still the team to beat, but how do you think this affects the rest of the league? Well, I like it because I like the pairing with Gase so much. I, I think that people have somehow overlooked that. I know it's been brought up, but I think people don't realize that when Cutler is is with Gase, I think he understands how to control the ball a little bit better. He takes care of the ball. I mean, obviously we know Cutler has a huge arm and he can obviously make any throw. I think he can make that offense move. I think it's overall disappointing because Tannehill was really taking some really nice under-the-radar steps last year before getting hurt. I think he was growing under Gase in the quarterback that they had hoped he would when they drafted him. And I think Gase finally got him going in the right direction. So that's why it's so disappointing. I know Cutler's personality turns people off. Even the press conference, you know, some jokes here and there. At the end of the day, this was a Miami team that wasn't taking over the AFC East this year, and nothing changed. I think they're a fringe wildcard team. I think they have a really nice roster. I think they have some young players on defense with some really good veterans. And I think they have good skill players around Cutler. But at the end of the day, nobody's beating the Patriots. Here's my hot take for you. I think Jay Cutler's better than Ryan Tannehill. I really do. I know, like, Tannehill was kind of like a sexy name last year of like, oh, you know, this guy's on the rise. I think Jay Cutler's better, especially in Adam Gase's offense, where the last time they were together in 2005, Cutler was it was solid. I mean, he threw 21 touchdowns to only 11 picks in 15 games and almost 3,700 yards. So, and and he will have better targets in Miami. He'll have a better run game with JHI. He'll have a better offensive line. I mean, that Chicago team was dog shit in 2015. And and even the good players like Kyle Long were banged up. So I, I and I know Melo's a Cutler guy. He's sitting here shaking his head. I think I think Cutler can take this team farther than Tannehill could have. 
especially with that connection he has to Adam Gase. I'm a big Cutler guy, and maybe they allow Cutler to come in, prove himself a little bit better, and then they can put Tannehill back at wide receiver, where he's probably a better player, in my opinion. Well, speaking of veteran quarterbacks, you know, what's going on in San Diego? Well, not San Diego, God, Los Angeles. It's going to take a while to get used to that. For Phillip Rivers right now with their rookie injuries is yet again another disappointing start to training camp for the Chargers right now because Rivers is a guy that has as, uh, almost as much talent as anyone in the league, and he's played to it many, many times. But it seems like this team just can't catch a break. They really can't, man. And you start to wonder, like, is it the medical staff? Is it bad luck? Because they, you know, last year it was Keenan Allen. Uh, this year it's Mike Williams and Forrest Lamp. Your first two picks in the draft might be sidelined for at least part of the year. And, you know, there's been some misinformation. Mike Williams came out and said that, you know, hey, I'm fine. There's nothing to it. With Forrest Lamp, it's, yeah, you know, I don't think there's any question that he's going to miss some time. So it, it does seem like a team that, listen, they have enough shit going on with the move and the fact that they're playing in a, it's not even, I mean, there are high school stadiums in Texas bigger than where the Chargers are going to play this year. So there's a lot going on. And we, you know, when we talked about this team in the past, we all like the Chargers and think that they have the talent and especially the defense to be very good this year. But, you know, they they just can't overcome these injuries on offense. And you know, I, I think looking at the two, you're better off if you can have Williams on the field and you lose Lamp because I, I, the interior of their offensive line is good enough to get by. But, man, you would have liked to have those two in the starting lineup. I kept praising their draft. I mean, taking a guy like Williams early, shoring up your interior line with Lamp, and now it's just going to shit with these guys getting hurt. I feel really bad for my guy, Phillip Rivers. I mean, I love that quarterback. They tried to finally surround him with some talent, and they're just getting injured. Yeah, it's just all around disappointing because those were I felt like those were back-to-back instant impact rookies that they took. They were saying, hey, our quarterback's a little older. You know, the move to Los Angeles, we want to bounce back right away this year. They got two guys that I felt were very pro-ready. Obviously, Mike Williams with the jump ball. He's deadly with that, but you could force Lamp. The way he played against Alabama last year showed that he has the power, the technique, really everything to succeed in the interior right away. So that's brutal. And back to Miami again. Now, this story is hard to follow because with Jarvis Landry being investigated for battery because the woman involved has released a statement that there was no physical altercation. It sounds like it's the investigation still going on. It sounds like Jarvis Landry is cooperating with the police. But it, it just was kind of the you know cherry on top for what's been a nightmare week for the Dolphins. It really has been. And that's, the, you know, Jarvis Landry is you know, also not only their star player on offense, but is someone who's going through a contract negotiation right now. And so, like you said, uh, you know, his girlfriend released a statement on Twitter uh, on Monday and said, listen, we were having a vocal disagreement. Someone called 911. It wasn't me. And the police got there. No one was arrested. You know, they, they didn't separate them. So, none of us were there. We can't say what happened or what didn't happen. Uh, It's interesting that, you know, now we have not only Ezekiel Elliott being investigated by the NFL, Jarvis Landry's being investigated. I think I'm most curious to see which one like is finished first because Zeke has been, you know, investigated now for over a year. Uh, This incident with Jarvis Landry uh, allegedly happened in March of 2017. So here we are in early August and I know the NFL wants to do their due diligence, but, at some point, you have to say either there's nothing here or there's something here and, and go either way because you can't just you can't hang this over these guys' heads as long as they have been. Yeah, I'd say it's time for the NFL to either shit or get off the pot for both these guys. For 
Elliott, just come out and say you don't want to suspend the guy. He's too important to your league, and <laughs> he's a Cowboys running back. You don't want him suspended. Yeah. You want him on the field. Yeah, and with Landry, I mean, this is a young star, a great kid. Um, you know, I, I actually got pretty close to him when he was at LSU to both he and Odell Beckham Jr., uh, and I like them both. Um, and Landry was a guy that I was rooting for, especially when he fell out of the first round. You know, there were questions about, is he fast enough to make it in the NFL? And he's had a great career so far. So, you know, you hope that these allegations are unfounded, that they're going to figure it out, that, you know, hey, the girlfriend's releasing a statement saying there's nothing to see here. Um, that's that's what I would expect to happen. But we're telling you guys this because it is something to watch. It's something to watch if you're a fan of, you know, the the NFL and its rules and policies, if you're a fan of the Dolphins, if you're a fantasy football player. I mean, the, things like this really affect everyone. Um, another guy going to be out for the year, a receiver in the AFC East, maybe not super high on fantasy draft boards, but your guy, Quincy Anunwa, Connor, out for the year with a neck injury, which is pretty scary uh, to be out for that extended amount of time with an injury that's happening above the shoulders. Yeah, any neck injury is very terrifying. I know they've come out, they say they expect the recovery to be in the six to nine month range. They don't expect it to be career threatening. At least that's what the doctors have told them. But you just don't know. And that's the problem. And what's scary about this is it bothered him in the spring. He sat out a lot of OTAs. And then really the first full full go live contact in their green and white scrimmage, he runs a slant and he drops to the ground non-contact and has this neck injury. So it's scary for the long-term future. But like you said, Matt, it's also really disappointing. This was a player that I think was rising on fantasy boards just from a, you know, a target share. He was the Jets' number one wide receiver. He's former sixth-round pick. He's gotten better each and every year. You know, it's disappointing for a team that was going to be very hard to watch. One of the young rising potential star players at skill players is now done for the year. And it hurts you because I don't think, I don't know how you could fairly evaluate Christian Hackenberg in this offense. I saw you tweet that and I don't know either. Uh, It's almost like, how do you evaluate him those last two years at Penn state? You know I mean? Really? There's, there's not much around him. You've got, you know, I think Jeremy Bates is a really good coach. But with the talent around Hackenberg, I don't know that he will get evaluated. But the fact is, he has to be evaluated this year. And you've got a guy who was, what, reportedly kicked out of practice because he couldn't break the huddle correctly. Um, I don't know if it, it was that extreme, but that was the headline I read Of this course, morning. yeah. But, no, he, he sat out one rep and then came back in. But you know how the headlines go. It's the New go. York media, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> They're already no, out to get this guy. They, they want Darnold. They, that's the truth. They do want Darnold. The New York, the New York media does for sure. So. Suck for Sam. But. It is going to be hard to, to get a clean eval on Hackenberg, but you do have to get one because the Jets are going to have the first pick in the draft, so they need to know if they've got something at quarterback. Uh, let's go quickly. Brandon Albert retires, unretires. Now it's on the Jacksonville Jaguars to decide if they want him back. Man, money talks, doesn't it? You got, you got a guy who uh, he's going to retire. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Jacksonville said, well, go ahead and slide us back that bonus money. And he went, oh, shit, wait a second. Um, I would love to play football for you. So that's on the radar. Um, Josh Rosen, our own Matt Hayes, uh, had a great uh, interview with Josh Rosen. Uh, I read it this morning. Um, the the headline that is creating news is Rosen said something to the effect of you know, raise the SAT score requirement and see what kind of uh, team Alabama has. That is not what he said in the interview. Um, no, I tweeted out of course the, not. The, the quote, and I'll read to you what he said. And, and there was a lot of back and forth about school and being a student athlete. And, you know, Rosen was talking about how, you know, being an, being a student affects his ability to be a good football player and being a football player affects his ability to be a good student. And, you know, so what he said was 
you know, it's really football or school. And there's it, it, here's an exact quote. There are guys who have no business being in school, but they're here because this is the path to the NFL. There's no other way. Then there's the other side that says, raise the SAT eligibility requirements, okay? Raise the SAT requirement at Alabama and see what kind of team they have. You lose athletes, and then the product on the field suffers. So, you know, Rosen, and we've talked about it for months, he's taken a lot of heat for being an outspoken, I would say a very well-spoken, a very intelligent young man, but he is outspoken. He's not afraid to speak his mind. And what he's saying here is, you know, listen, there there are guys who go to college to go to college. There are guys that go because they want to play in the NFL, and that's how you get there. And it, it's it's a problem right now. And I would recommend everyone read the the full interview. It'll take five minutes of your time. We will tweet out the link. But it, it definitely, you know, when you're evaluating guys for the NFL draft, which is what we do, you want to take all the information you can get to get a complete picture of them as a person. And I think things like this where you can get a player to kind of go off the record a little bit uh, and or off the script a little bit is eye-opening to see who they are as a person. Before we take our first break and pay the bills and and get my lunch paid for today, I we've been asked to cover some fantasy football. And this is something that in my football writing career, I've never really covered. But we talked about it, the three of us, and said, listen, we... We are player evaluation experts while also being, you know, funny and good looking and charming and all those things. So let's let's put those those skills to the the test and kind of look at fantasy football from an, an evaluation standpoint. We came up with our top ten list uh, of fantasy players. And um, but Connor, why don't you run us through your ten? Then Mel will do his ten, and I'll close out with mine. And we'll we'll tweet out um, a picture of, of these rankings because we're going to go through this kind of quickly. Sure. And in the upcoming weeks, we're we're going to actually phone a friend to give us a little help with this fantasy. We're going to have Bleacher Reports fantasy analyst Matt Camp join us for a special extra episode of Stick to Football. We'll do the full fantasy preview. I think me and Matt always and Mello always chime in on the rookies because that's where we feel most comfortable. But Matt knows. Everything from rankings to, I mean, he knows literally everything. So we're going to have Matt on pretty soon. But, if, you know, my top 10 for PPR, this is where it's so controversial, I think. I start with Le'Veon Bell. I know David Johnson, the amount of targets he gets, what he does in the pass game, what he does in the run game. I think Le'Veon Bell, who wants to get paid in that Steelers offense, I love what he can do. He's the number one guy. And then David Johnson, we've seen what he can do. For three, number three for me is Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's the best receiver in football this year. Only second to, I mean, only only ahead of, obviously, Julio Jones is the guy right behind him. Then Mike Evans. I think we see Mike Evans really take off this year. He has a lot of help around him. I think Jameis has a great year. I love what Mike Evans has done in his short career. Zeke. Zeke is really interesting to me at number six because who knows what the suspension is going to be if there is one. He could fall off the board or climb the board anywhere. Antonio Brown, I don't want to call him old, but at 29, he is getting older. I don't think that's the reason you'll see a drop-off. I think Martavis Bryant eventually being fully reinstated is the main reason. You won't see as many targets to Antonio this year. I love A.J. Green. He's the guy. He's the workhorse in that Bengals offense in terms of the skill players. And then my last two, two surprises here, Jordan Howard. We saw what he could do when he gets the rock last year. I love Jordan Howard when he gets the football with that quarterback situation this year. You're either getting Glennon to start out the year or young Mitch Trubisky. It's probably going to be Glennon. You need to run the football. And then Brandon Cooks, number 10, I think he is going to light it up in the New England offense. I know there's a lot of targets to go around, but I think at the end of the day, they're going to feed Brandon Cooks the vertical attack with screens, with everything. I think he's going to be deadly this year. I like that. And, you know, our lists are pretty similar. You see a lot of the same guys here. For instance, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. They're at the top of both of our lists. 
I have him switched, though. I have David Johnson being that number one guy, followed up by Le'Veon Bell and then his teammate. I'm still going Antonio Brown. Until this guy proves that he's not doing it anymore, I'm taking him. I don't claim to be a fantasy expert, but I have won my league zero times. And I took <laughs> Beckham this year. I think he's going to have, I know he's been amazing, but I think he's going to have an even better year. He's going to play all 16 games. He's the focal point of this offense. He's got Brandon Marshall opposite of him. I think he's going to do great. I'm having him at number four, right behind, right in front of Julio Jones. I want to see what Jones can do without Shanahan as his Me coordinator. Too. Me too. Yeah. Because Matt Ryan was great last year. He was not great until last year. So we'll see what Jones can do. And then I'm going with my guy, Zeke Elliott. I know he's probably going to miss some games if the NFL ever comes around to it. But I still, he's going to get the rock 20 times a game. He's electric in the passing game. So I'm still taking Zeke. Then I got Mike Evans, just like Connor said. You know, he's got he's going to be the target this year. And then I have two guys that I don't see on either of your list. I'm still going Rodgers and then Brady. I know this is a PPR league, but if I can get my hands on one of those two quarterbacks, I'm still going to do it. Because after that, it kind of starts to fall off. And then my last guy, I'm going Shady McCoy. I was going to say, you picked, you picked Antonio Brown, is that right? In our fantasy league? In ours, I got Beckham. You got Beckham. That was the only pick you made sober in that entire draft. Yeah. yeah. I can't, it, <laughs> Start off right. You know, I have Four a solid right. team, though. I, have, so, I was just looking at our teams. Your <laughs> team is not, it's not awful. I went with like some Frank the Tank strategy. I just, you know, blacked out early and... Let you have Stafford, Fournette, Jordan Howard, Odo Beckham, Michael Thomas, Greg Olson, Jeremy Macklin. Yeah, that's not bad. You've, you and took that's Michael 12, Thomas. That's a 12-team league. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> All right, so here are my 10. Listen, we agree at the top. It's Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Uh, I, I think you pick your poison. You know, I, I have Le'Veon Bell a little bit higher because I, I do think he might – uh, catch a couple more passes than David Johnson, but th- they're both outstanding players. There's no arguing there. I followed it up with Antonio Brown and then Ezekiel Elliott, who we mentioned our 12 team league. I drafted him at number four overall uh, suspension. Be damned. You know, it, I'm going to ride him for the last 14 games of the year. If I have to, then I have Julio Jones and OBJ right where you guys said, uh, I think they're, they are the two in that next tier. And then I have Mike Evans as a, a top six player or excuse me, top seven player. I, I think his numbers this year will be great in that offense. You know, getting OJ Howard, getting Deshaun Jackson, that's going to open things up for him more. Shady McCoy, I have an eight. Uh, the one guy that I have that neither of you have is Jordy Nelson at number nine. I think PPR, he's going to get a lot of points just from the touches there. And then AJ Green followed at number 10. I, I just worry about AJ Green every year. It's like, is Andy Dalton going to be able to get it done? Uh, because he's he's good enough, but are we going to see the touchdowns? Are we going to see the just the number of catches that you need to be great in a, a league that's super deep at wide receiver right now. So there's our top tens. Like I said, we'll tweet out uh, a picture with these rankings, but we're going to take our first break and we're going to come back uh, on Saturday. Mello and I went up to Kansas city. We went to the Boulevard Brewing Company, um, which I'm sure you've heard us mention 8 million times here and on Twitter. And uh, we had the opportunity to interview Peter King from Monday morning quarterbacks. So uh, we're outside with about 300 other people. <laughs> I'm having a good time in Kansas city. So Uh, You're going to notice it sounds a little different than it does right now. Uh, We'll be back right after this quick break. All right, welcome back to Stick to Football Podcast. This is Matt Miller. Uh, You can hear the noise. Hopefully you won't be able to hear the rain or the train that's going to come by because we are outside at Boulevard Brewing Company in Kansas City, Missouri with Peter King of MMQB. And everyone knows who you are. You have, what, 
many Twitter followers do you have now? About 1.8 million. You haven't but checked. You know, I don't think I don't think it's 1.8 million because I I think on Twitter you get so many bots. Oh yeah, and so many phony followers. I, I, you know, I don't know. I got a lot of followers, but. I definitely don't have 1.8 million looking at the crap that I put out there every day. <laughs> You're not to Donald Trump status, Twitter <laughs> followers, unfortunately. Thank God. Maybe one day you will be. <laughs> um, it is called Stick to Football, so you can go as off topic as you want here, but you, I see you've cracked open a Boulevard Wheat. Marshall's got the Casey pills because we're going to try to make this Royals game tonight. I have a Saison Brett. I like to think it's named after George Brett. But you are maybe in, it's named after Saison Brett Favre. It might be, it could be. <laughs> uh, probably not in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Right? But you're here for training camp, and this is a really interesting Chiefs team this year because John Dorsey's gone. Uh, they draft a quarterback for the first time since the year I was born in the first round. Wow. And you've, we've got Brett Veach in, Jeremy Macklin's out. So this is a young team. But everything that I've seen from training camp is that it's same old, same old. So what's your feel about this team? You know, Andy Reid's situation basically is that he's always going to contend. And on his staff, scouting staff, GM staff, everything, you can never get too comfortable. Because, you know, in Philadelphia, they changed up a lot. And, you know, Joe Banner, Howie Roseman, Mike Lombardi. I mean, they had a, they had a cast of many there. So I was surprised what happened to Dorsey. And I really don't know the truth about what happened to Dorsey. Andy's very good at under-the-radar stuff, as is, in this case, Dorsey was. But, um, I, I mean, look, it's almost like, aren't we all waiting for the shoe to drop where one day uh, you watch Andy amble to the podium and say, well, we're going to give Pat Mahomes a shot this Sunday. I mean, I just think it's a matter of time. And unfortunately, Alex Smith will sort of go down as one of these quarterbacks who was always, always good enough to be a starter in the NFL. But was he ever good enough to play the last game of the year? And he hasn't been so far. I've, I've got a question for you. I've kind of been bold out there, and I'll say that I'm not the biggest Chiefs fan, even though I'm a Missouri guy. How successful do you think this Chiefs team can be if Mahomes does have to come in and take over for Alex Smith? There's so much we don't know about Mahomes, you know, because he really played different football. And that's why I think, you know, as I've gone on my training camp trip this year, so it's been eight stops I've had so far. I cannot believe how many people are madly in love with Deshaun Watson. They're madly in love with Deshaun Watson, but at the same time they say... Not sure I want to play him opening day. And so I kind of think that Watson is more ready than Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to be better. I don't know who's going to be better. But I just think you have to be really, really careful with any rookie quarterback. Look at the first three weeks of last year. We all thought Carson Wentz he was going to be some phenom. He was so precocious early on. And then, you know, he just hit a wall. It's like so, once those defensive coordinators have film. Yeah. That's what guys around the NFL kept telling me. Wait, just wait, just wait and see because he's going to get exposed with that slow release. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a hesitation in his and game. And you know what? But you know the one guy, it was very, very interesting last year. I'd say for about a month, Dak Prescott was eh, was and pretty mad. After that Giants game. Yeah. It, you, you could just see it. And, and I'll just say this. I mean, I went back for a story I'm doing, and I watched a lot of 
the Green Bay playoff game. I mean, you look at the fourth quarter, Dak Prescott, two drives for touchdowns to tie the Packers, to tie Aaron Rodgers. He went head-to-head. I was going to say, when you Aaron didn't go Rodgers, head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And that's a perfect segue to the question I wanted to ask you. I look at New England, and we were talking about this on the way over here. I don't know if anyone could beat them, but Dallas is such a good young team. If Ezekiel Elliott's on the field, can they run away with the East? Because hey, the Giants are good. Washington... We, I mean, they're going to compete. Can I give you my little? Uh, I know you're not going to give me your picks because no, that's, no, that's I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what my picks are. I like Tennessee. I just know that. But I'll give you my little my little thought on on the NFC East. I did a podcast about ten days ago with uh, Travis Frederick. So everybody would. Gil Brandt thinks that Travis Frederick's the second best center of all time. He loves Travis Frederick. He, that's that's bold. But that is. But but so anyway, Travis Frederick, I said to him, what's your toughest day in the NFL? And he goes, Snacks Harrison. So in my opinion, I think that you asked that question about how good Dallas can be, and you're right. Dallas is really, really good, and Ezekiel Elliott's really good. Ezekiel Elliott. But, and I'm not saying the Giants are their kryptonite. But the Giants have rushed the passer pretty well against Dallas. And they have one of the three best run stuffers in football, maybe the best. So I'm just saying that they have just a little bit of kryptonite for the Dallas Cowboys. So that's why I think that division is going to be really, really good. But I think overall, I think what Dak Prescott did last year, along with Linehan and Garrett, is they kind of figured it out. They figured out where he was struggling and what teams were trying to do to him, and they did something about it late in the year. I'll kick it back over to the AFC East. Do you think any of these teams can compete with New England, especially with guys like Tannehill? There's big question marks there. I don't think the AFC East is going to compete with New England right now, but I, I agree with what Bill Polian said. I think it was in April or May when he said that in essence, hey, let's not go thinking that the Patriots are unbeatable. They were down by 25 points in the middle of the third quarter. And look, I've been accused to be uh, of being totally in bed with Brady and all that stuff. But let's, let's be honest about what we saw in the last 23 minutes of that game and in overtime. It was unreal. <laughs> we saw an incredible performance by an all-time quarterback and some very good defensive play. And But look, the fact is the Patriots are down 25 to a very good team, and they figured a way to come back. So I like the Patriots a lot, but I think the fact that if one or two plays goes the other way in the last 23 minutes of that game, you know, we're saying, hey, how much longer does Brady have? So yeah, I, that's right. I don't think they're unbeatable, but I don't think there's anybody in the AFC East who's going to beat them. Yeah, and Adam Schefter told us the same thing, and I, I think it was like show number four was that, you know, hey, if this goes the other way, we might be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo right now yeah, and the dynasty be. being over. This week on our show, we're previewing the, the AFC and NFC North. The NFC North is all about Aaron Rodgers, and everyone, I, I think, has looked to the Packers as running away with that division again, but... Do you think Detroit is good enough to, to give them – they gave them a little bit of a run last year, but are the Lions – you know, they didn't make great additions. You lose your left tackle. Uh, have they done enough to close that gap? I don't think so. I mean, 
I still wonder, you know, last year, you know, Ziggy Ansah was hurt a lot of the year. He wasn't himself. If you're going to beat Green Bay, you better be buzzing around Aaron Rodgers' head a lot, you know? And I just don't think they can pressure the quarterback enough to do that. I, You know, it's interesting. Almost every year I go to Green Bay. And so I, I said to Aaron Rodgers, what would you do to get better this year? And his answer was kind of a combination of nutrition, stretching, yoga. Breaking up with his girlfriend. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he's going to have less mayhem around him this year. Yeah. He did say that. But I really think when you look at Aaron Rodgers, you see a guy, at least in my opinion right now, who is one of the, one of the absolute standard bearers and... I think if you look at this division, you know, I like Sam Bradford. I, I, I like him probably more than almost anybody in our business. But I'm skeptical whether whether Bradford or Stafford or whoever's playing for Chicago is going to be able to be good enough across the board to beat Green Bay. Yeah. We just have a, a couple of minutes with you before we kick off our, our tweet up here. Uh, you mentioned there, you know, Rodgers is one of the standard bearers. You've been covering the NFL since, what was your first year? 1984 with the Bengals. Yeah, I was one. I was one that <laughs> year. So, uh, so I grew up on Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, to yeah. John Elway, to Peyton Manning. Who is the greatest quarterback you have personally seen since 1984? I think it's Brady. I am, Matt, I'm a huge football history person. I think we don't pay nearly enough attention to football history and so I have been holding out for Otto Graham played 10 years won seven championships the three years he didn't win uh, they lost the championship game okay you can say okay four of those years of the AAFC six of those years of the NFL they don't have as many teams I get it I understand that but uh, this past year in that Super Bowl I just think Brady's the greatest quarterback who ever played. Uh, and and I think so, not just because of that great comeback and all that other stuff, but I think if you really look at, you know, the era he's playing in, where there's 32 teams, where there's a lot of good quarterbacks, you know, I think it's different and it's harder than playing in an era where there's 10 teams or 12 teams or even, you know, 28 teams, it's a little bit different. And the fact that free agency has happened where you can't just be assured that your team is going to be good for a long time, like the Steelers were, like for many years of the Niners, really. And, and look, I totally understand if people will say Montana, Unitas, I, I get it. But, in, you know, for my money, I'll take Brady. And I can't argue with you there. I think it's Brady's far ahead of everybody else when you argue quarterbacks. But I'll throw a question at you. It's one that I was thinking about this week. Everybody's been talking about how Brady's the GOAT. I want to know, who do you think is the best football player of all time? Because for me, it came down to two players, Tom Brady or Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, who dominated in an era where they didn't throw the football. He's still the all-time leading touchdown getter, even though teams stacking up against him running the football heavy. So who do you got, Tom Brady or Jerry Rice? I think because of the importance of the quarterback position, 
I'd probably say Brady. I haven't thought of it in those terms, but I'd probably say Brady. But I would also make this point that if you ask me to pick one guy, it's the 98th year of the NFL, to pick one guy in the 98 years of the NFL as a receiver, I'd pick Don Hudson. And the reason I'd pick Don Hudson, and everybody will say, well, wait a second, how can you not pick Jerry Rice? Well, first of all, I would bet, I'd bet that if Don Hudson, coming out of college or in his prime, lined up next to Jerry Rice and they ran a 40, I bet Don Hudson would beat him. Don Hudson, in 1933 and 1934, no, 1934 and 1935, won the SEC track championship 100-yard dash. Both years in a time of 9.8 seconds. And everybody would say, oh, my God, I would have no idea about that. And let's look at his performance. Now, everybody would say, and rightfully so, no African-American players when he played. I mean, that's, that's fair. And 1940 to 1945, the war, so many players went off to the war that it was a diminished league. But I would just make this point. When Don Hudson retired in 1945, he had 99 touchdown catches. And when he retired, that's three times as many touchdown catches as anybody had in the first 25 years of the NFL. Now, not a lot of teams threw the ball, and the Packers did. But think about it this way. It took 44 years until 1989 for anybody to break Don Hudson's record. That's amazing. And in my opinion, you can only be judged against your peers in the era in which you played. And so he so dominated that era in which he played that I just, I really have a lot of respect for Don Hudson. And you're going to get in trouble whenever you would say, oh, Don Hudson's better than Jerry Rice. It sounds totally asinine, but it's not the first dumb opinion I've had. (laughs) Last question for you, and we appreciate your time. I asked for 10 minutes and you said, no, you wanted 20. So we appreciate that. You're a Hall of Fame voter, and we've been talking wide receivers, so you probably know where I'm going. T.O., does he get in? Does he get in soon? What happens there? I think he gets in. I don't know when. We got a couple of really big classes coming up uh, with a bunch of guys who you would think, you know, Ray Lewis and Randy Moss and those uh, several players like that, a bunch of guys who you would think are shoe-ins. Yeah. And look, I am a Terrell Owens voter. I'm a Terrell Owens backer because I believe that every player, every owner, every GM, every person in the league is an his candidacy is an amalgam. His candidacy is a combination of a lot of things. And did Terrell Owens act out and totally disrupt a bunch of teams, particularly Philadelphia, some in Dallas? Absolutely. Is that a negative? To me, it's a big negative. And has he done some things that I don't like? Yes. But on balance, he's a Hall of Fame player. There's one other negative in his career. He dropped a lot of footballs. As a 49ers fan, I remember. (laughs) A lot. And he dropped a lot of footballs, like you could say, throughout his career. So I don't think it's an absolute total open and shut case. But without question, I've thought about this a lot. He belongs in the hall. Now, everybody says, when's he getting in? I can't answer that other than to say most often, 
guys who have the support, even though there are some people on that committee who you've read about who've said it publicly, who are adamant that they're not voting for him because of the distraction factor. And so I get that, but I don't believe there are enough of those who will be incontrovertible and who will keep him out of the Hall of Fame for years. That's my opinion. Now, what year it's going to be, I have no idea. And Matt, I'll just say one last thing about this. I remember eight or ten years ago when Harry Carson of the Giants, maybe it was early, uh, more recent than that, I forget when, but Harry Carson told the Hall of Fame, take my name out of consideration. I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he was angry that he wasn't getting in and all that. And here's what happens. When you get into the Hall of Fame and people out there are saying, hey, Harry Carson, he's a Hall of Famer. They don't say, boy, Harry Carson, he's a marginal case and, and, and nobody really liked him, but somehow, some way he got in. After two or three or four years, all that stuff is forgotten. Right, you're a Hall of Famer. And you're a Hall of Famer. It's like when I first got on the committee, I was very, very reticent to vote for a bunch of guys. I had a very hard line. I was not a big Lynn Swan guy. I was not, you know, and but, but Lynn Swan got in the Hall of Fame, for instance, and I never say, well, Lynn Swan got in the Hall of Fame. I never voted for him. I just say, hey, Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. It's great because in my belief, the Hall of Fame voting process is basically a democracy. Yeah. And, you know, once you vote a guy in, hey, he's a Hall of Famer. And don't be bitter about it. Just say, hey, listen, I gave my opinion. And if I'm wrong, for years I was wrong about Terrell uh, Davis. And that's fine. He's in, great. I love it. He's, it's fine. No matter what I think personally, I applaud him being in the Hall of Fame because that is the will of the voters. So I don't, I never think to myself, oh, my God. I'm so angry that guy got in. It's the will of the voters, so it's fine. We appreciate your time. We're going to hop off here, answer some questions for about an hour, drink more beer, and uh, hopefully beat this weather for a Royals game. But thank you for your time. Thanks, Matt. All the listeners Thanks, guys. need to check out Peter King, Monday Morning Quarterback. You guys have great content there, not just yourself, but Albert Breer, Andy Benoit. You guys have, you have great stuff, so everybody thank check you. it out. Appreciate and it. And we'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We are now back in the quiet bleach report office here in Joplin, Missouri. I'm Matt Miller, joined by Marshall Miller here in studio. And we got Connor Rogers kicking it in the, the BR Broadway studio in New York. Uh, That's we, right. Brand new. <laughs> can't wait. I'll be there in a month. Maybe might go see Wicked while I'm there since it's right next door, you know, or it, it never stops playing. Fight. I'm going to fight I, a Wicked, tourist. Oh, my. That's for my sure. God, dude. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm. I like the new office. I'm gonna miss one thing about the old office, and it's Fresh and Co. Because I, I still I, can't get over. I eat this. a, <laughs> I eat a salad there every day when I'm in. So I think I'm gonna have to figure out like an Uber Eats situation or something where I can get that damn chopped salad delivered to me. So you know I'm not walking three blocks to get a salad. I'll tell you what you'll miss more, and I, I'm not gonna. I hate to sound like such a hater because I love the new office so much. It's actually it's an incredible space we have here, but. Times Square smells like warm puke oh, all the time summer. in the summer. Yeah. So I, I miss the being closer to Central Park than being closer to the heart of Times Square just for the scent. 
But the new space is absolutely great. Yeah, it looks sick. And I've only been in once, so I'm excited to come uh, out there next month and, and kick off the the open house party. So in, in order to make sure that I still have a job since you just trashed the office, let's make some money here and <laughs> talk about the, the AFC and NFC North. Uh, two divisions that have over the past five, six years have been powerhouses. You know, the Green Bay Packers have dominated the NFC North. The Vikings have been solid. The Lions were resurgent last year. And on the AFC side, we've seen three teams make the playoffs from this division quite frequently. Um, you've got the Browns, who are a laughingstock in the NFL, but a lot of people expect to make a comeback this year. The Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So let's start it off. We'll uh, we'll go alphabetical here. Let's start it off with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that I'm worried about. And I, I like some of the parts here, but I don't like the whole. I'm worried about the offensive line. I'm worried about someone emerging. Is John Ross going to be a good fit with Andy Dalton? Are, are we going to see... Uh, anyone really emerges that number two receiver can Tyler Eifert, you know, be consistent and stay healthy. And then on defense, I still see a team that lacks speed on defense. And that's always been my concern with them, especially at the linebacker position. They just don't have the speed to compete with the rest of the NFL right now. And, and listen on defense, they added Carl Lawson, they added Jordan Willis, they added Ryan Glasgow, but expecting those guys to be huge impacts right away. I don't know if we can do that. So I, I see the Bengals as being a middle of the pack team this year, maybe eight and eight or nine and seven. What do you guys see? I, I just, I, I'm expecting, my expectations are very low for the Bengals this year. And Matt, you kind of nailed it. The only thing I think you didn't fully mention that is another big concern for me is I think this is a bad offensive line. I, I think, you know, I don't think Abuehi or Fisher are necessarily going to pan out. I think the interior is questionable, and maybe I'm jaded just because I saw what the Jets did to that interior week one last year in person, but I think they're going to struggle to pass protect. I don't know if they're going to be willing to go to Joe Mixon right away in the run game. It sounds like they're not, which I think is a mistake. I think they need to move on from Jeremy Hill. I think, obviously, Geo is a really nice pass-catching, you know, third down, change of pace kind of back, but I think Mixon needs to be the primary back there. It sounds like they're not willing to trust him yet. And like you said, there's no speed on the defense. So this is a team I'm not excited about. I know I sound really down on them and negative on them, but I don't see a lot of upside here. What what do you think win-loss? Where do you see them at? Uh, I'd say that six-win range, five-win range. I think the Brown. I think the Browns are still a really bad football team. I know people are excited because they've gotten better, but they were awful, and now they're just really bad. So I do think that's two wins right there for them. And then I don't think they're bad enough where you know they'll definitely scrape out three to four more wins. They haven't bottomed out that badly, but I just don't think they're in the same, not even close to the same level of the Steelers anymore. I'll agree with you there, Connor. I was thinking six and ten, seven and nine, yeah. somewhere around there for these guys. They get a guy early in John Ross, but I don't know if Andy Dalton really has the arm to stretch the field. And then you lose some of these guys on the offensive line. I don't know if he's going to have time either. They definitely have to move on from Jeremy Hill. But then you got to worry about guys like Giovanni Bernard. Is he healthy coming off that knee injury? How early do they want to play Joe Mixon? And is Vontez Burfecht going to injure everybody on that offense <laughs> oh before God. we even get to the what season? Psycho. I still love Burfecht, but he's cringeworthy to watch him play sometimes. So... Uh, what do you think? Win loss? Where you have the Bengals at? Miller? I'm going to say six and ten, seven and nine. Okay, That's being so generous. Nine and seven. What do you think, Matt? I, I had them at nine and seven when I ran the prediction. And, and the thing that I'll say about this entire AFC North, they play the AFC South, and that is the best news for them. Is that they can, I think, secure some wins that way. But I, I do worry about this team. I could see it falling apart. They have a hard stretch in the middle of the year. Um, you know, they play Indianapolis. Yeah. They go Pittsburgh, Indy, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Denver. 
that's a rough stretch. So let's talk about these. That's one and four. Yeah, it, it very well could be. Let's talk about these Cleveland Browns, a team that, again, the number one pick overall last year. Um, you've, you've got some changing parts, but for the most part, this is the same team. You know, we'll see if, you know, they had three first round picks, uh, miles Garrett, who's going to start at defensive end Jabril peppers. Who's going to start as a, a nickel safety and a return man. And then David Ajoku, the tight end out of Miami, who's probably going to start at tight end. So this will be a young team across the board. Brock Osweiler scheduled to start the first game of the preseason, but it's an open competition there with Cody Kessler, who started a lot of games last year as a rookie. Deshaun Kaiser, who was the second round pick, is involved. Kevin Hogan, I guess, is still floating around out there. So we could see, again, a lot of quarterbacks starting for this team, but I still see the Browns as being better, but not good, if that makes sense. This is a young team. This is an interesting experiment that they've undergone here because they really tanked and they added a ton of quantity over quality in the 2016 draft. And then in 17, we saw them go for both quantity and quality. So I think the team will be better. If I had to pinpoint a strength, I would say it is the offensive line. Although I like the defensive front seven. I I really do. I think Christian Kirksey is a hell of a player and underrated at middle backer. We all know that when Jamie Collins is dialed in, he's dangerous. And then you add Miles Garrett to Danny Shelton and Emmanuel Ogba and uh, Larry Ogunjobi and Caleb Brantley and Carl Nassib. I mean, this is a team that it looks like a fucking all-star team from college because every name on the depth chart is recognizable. So, I, I like I said, better team. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, I don't think they win five or six games. I had them at three and no. 13 because the schedule is hard. It's really hard uh, when you look at what you have to do just in that division. Like, they might beat the Jets. Every other game is a toss-up. Even against Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's more talented. So Browns fans, I know we go through this every summer. You guys think that, hey, we're going to win six or seven games. The only way you're going to do that is if somebody on this roster takes a gigantic step and becomes an unstoppable elite player. Yeah, I don't have to say much more than Matt. When you look at the schedule, there I can't see them winning more than four games. I think they could move in the right direction by evaluating the young talent. They've added good young talent. They still are probably going to have to get their quarterback next year. I know people are very high into Sean Kaiser right now. We still have to see him play. Uh, it's going to be a long road for his development. He has the raw talent, but long ways to go. Like you said, though, Matt, you know, maybe they beat the Jets. Maybe they beat Jacksonville. Maybe they sneak a win over the Ravens or Bengals in their division. I don't see them topping four wins. No, I'd have them right there, too. Four at the most. They just don't have the playmakers that they need or a quarterback to even get the ball to <laughs> right. those playmakers. They talk a lot about... Cody Kessler, too. I mean, he's not been impressive. I think Deshaun Kaiser is probably going to start some games before the season's over. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point that we didn't have. I, I think you're absolutely right that at some point, Kaiser will start probably the second half of the season um, because you've got to you have to have some experience in there. So halfway through the AFC North, and we are going to get to your draft on draft questions in the final segment today, and there are some damn good ones. Uh, but let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, the team that spent Money and free agency, which is something they normally do not do. They signed Tony Jefferson. Uh, they signed Jeremy Macklin. They re-signed Brandon Williams. So this is a team that they were down a little bit last year. I think they bounced back this year. I, I see the Ravens as being firmly in the wild card argument. The offensive line lost some pieces, but is still good enough to protect. The The, the question mark here is Joe Flacco. How long is he going to be out? You know, if he's out for long, I will completely walk that statement back and say they win five or six games because Ryan Mallett is their backup quarterback right now. Oh, yeah, and it could get worse than that if, if it, they have to go to Mallett. My God. I mean, it, it goes to show you, too, when it comes out that the coaches 
and even the front office wants to sign Colin Kaepernick, but the owner apparently is against it. They're they're desperate. If that's I mean, I don't want to say that because Cap should be in the league, but I'm saying they know they have to go out and get an upgrade over Ryan Mallett if Joe Flacco is out, and Kaepernick would certainly be a big upgrade over Mallett. This is a team that, once again, I'm just not very high on them, even with Flacco. It's hard to see them topping six wins. Listen, I obviously think they're a better team than the Browns. I think they'll beat the Jaguars. I think they'll go out and beat the Bears. It's just you look at their schedule and, like, are they a better team than the Steelers? No. Are they going to you know, beat the Packers, Lions, or Texans, or Raiders? I don't think so. I don't love this football team. I think it's going to be a really interesting year for Harbaugh because if they don't make the playoffs or if they do win five to six games – are they going to be willing to move on? Is is and is it even his fault at that point? And I think you know their defense continues to be overrated because of what we saw in the early two thousands. Their defense is solid, but it's still it's not great. And if Joe Flacco's not on this team, they might as well just throw Mallet out there and let these guys tank because without <laughs> Flacco, they really don't have much of a shot at anything. So you guys are not not high on them. Like I said, I had them at nine and seven when I ran the season prediction. But I don't like maybe this, I'm yeah I don't love this division, but. We saved the best for last, and the best is very good, I think. Oh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are great. If it wasn't for the New England Patriots, we'd be talking about, I think, that the Steelers could run away with this division. Uh, as long as they can stay healthy, everything's here, right? Great quarterback, great playmakers at running back, at, at wide receiver. You've got depth at tight end. Uh, they've got a, an offensive line that is super underrated but very productive. And then on defense, they are getting better, and we're going to see a lot of young guys Artie Burns, Sean Davis, they're going to take a next step this year. Uh, we're going to see TJ Watt playing some outside linebacker. Uh, it, it's a team that if anyone, I, I think, could challenge New England, and I know some people will say Oakland or Kansas City, I think if anyone could challenge New England, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I had them winning, I say, I want to say 11 or 12 games. Sounds right. I'm very, very high on this team. Well, let's kick it off with a bang. Do you guys think the Steelers are a better team than the Oakland Raiders? I say yes. Oh, my god! Because everybody hard. says the only team that could challenge the Patriots this year in the AFC or even come close because they might be able to go head-for-head offensively the with them is the Raiders. I think the Steelers are the bigger threat. The Steelers are the bigger threat, and here's why. Coaching. I don't like the yes, Raiders' coaches exactly. that much. Exactly. I love the Steelers' coaches. So if we're talking coaches and players, I would take Pittsburgh. If it's and just ben. players, I would probably take Oakland. And the Steelers have the advantage of having a guy like Le'Veon Bell that they can run when it's cold outside up in Foxborough. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders have Marshawn Lynch, but we'll see. I'm not sold on Marshawn Lynch coming back and doing much. I mean, he sat out a whole year. We'll see what he can do. And, yeah, and, you know, Donald Penn's holding out right now, left tackle for the Raiders. There's There are enough question marks, and we'll get to the AFC West preview in, a, in about two weeks, but that's a great question, Connor. And, I, Mello, what do you think, Pittsburgh? I mean, is it they're too explosive? Right, they can just score too many points. It's so hard to compete with. Yeah, from so many different ways, and they have the guys that can get in Brady's face, disrupt the passing game. I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you might be able to slow him down. So I think they probably are the bigger threat to the Patriots than the Raiders. Yeah, a lot of a lot of you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him when it comes to to Tom Brady and those Patriots this year. All right, let's hit the NFC North, guys. It's it's Green Bay, and then it's everyone else. I, I think we all agree That's about right. that. Uh, the Chicago Bears. I do not expect to be very good this year. I don't I, listen. I did not think Mike Glennon was worth the money they gave him. I don't know that he's a starting caliber quarterback. I didn't think he was coming out of NC State. I say we see Trubisky at some point late in the year, maybe in the second half. But this is a defense that I still have major question marks about, uh, especially in the secondary. I, I really thought they needed uh, help at safety and corner last year. 
They only drafted one defensive back. It was Eddie Jackson in the fourth round. So uh, this is a, a team. I didn't like the draft. I didn't like Adam Shaheen no. in the second. I liked Trubisky. He was my number one quarterback. I didn't like the trade to get him. Definitely didn't like Tariq Cohen in the fourth round when you already have a, a good running back cast, even if you're counting on him to be your Tyreek Hill-type player. I think this is a team that's a little bit overrated right now when you look at what fans are expecting. I had the Bears finishing with the number three pick and finishing the year at four and twelve. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I love the interior of their offensive line. I think it's a pretty good situation for a rookie quarterback to come into regarding that because they can run the football. I think they could obviously pass, protect, and run block. I do worry about the receiving threats right now. They got to go get out next year and get some help for when Trubisky takes over full time. And like you said, Matt, this defense, it's not pretty. I, I don't like much about it, and I, especially the secondary. I think the secondary is an absolute mess, and I don't think they'll be able to score enough points to hang in those games. And like you said, they're kind of that four to six, probably a six-win team. It's such a wild card because when is Trubisky going to play? I think you could put their roster up there with the Jets and Browns for just shitty. I mean, they have nothing <laughs> outside of Kyle Low Long, key, yeah. Jordan Howard, and then what? Nothing. Yeah, the interior line's decent with sitting in white hair, but and long obviously. It's a ver- yes. And the, yeah, the receivers. Kevin yeah. Wright. Kevin White is a bust. Yeah, I mean he he's never even played. Yeah. And then some guy named Karen Cameron Meredith is their number two receiver. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he had a good year last year, <laughs> uh coming out of Illinois State. But you're right. I mean, it is. It's low-key one of the worst rosters in the NFL. And I listen and I don't think John Fox is that good of a coach either. So I think this is a team like we could put them all in the hot seat right now. And I've said it for months. I think Jeff Fisher is the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. That's Not a, that he should be. I think he will be. We're recording this on 8-8. It's Jeff Fisher Day. I had to get that in there. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Oh, my God. But you're not joking, though. It, it, if you no, were I'm betting, not joking. But. If you were betting on <laughs> one place to completely rebuild after the year, which is interesting after they just took a quarterback, but still possible, do you think this would be it, right? I do. Yeah, man, that's why you take a quarterback. It's that old school yeah, thing. It's desperation. Let's take a quarterback yes. and buy ourselves some time. Yes. No, let's win some fucking games and buy ourselves some time. Yeah. But I, I am very, very low on the Bears. And I say this to someone, I love the city of Chicago. I, Kyle Long is one of my favorite players. I just don't think they're going to be any good this year. Um, yeah, let's go to the Detroit Lions, a team. I think they will be fairly good this year. There's a gigantic hole at left tackle, though, with Taylor uh, Decker's injury. And he played super well last year as a rookie. So that's the biggest question mark, in my opinion. The depth in the secondary is going to be a little bit of a question mark, but they have got to figure out the offensive line. If they can do that, they're a 10-win team because the, the pass rush is good. Jared Davis will be great at middle linebacker. I think once healthy, the secondary is going to be very good. No surprise, though, I've seen reports out of training camp that Jalen Tabor, T's Tabor, is struggling with the speed of the game. Not surprising, considering he ran a four, four eight six. eight. Yeah, at his pro <laughs> the day. first corner to ever run a five plus forty. <laughs> Listen, I I, li- I really like that the Lions, the way their offense can score at will at times, and I think they are. Man, I'm struggling to pick between them and the Vikings for the second best team in the division. I'm not gonna lie, Same it's, here. it's a complete yeah. it's a complete toss up for me right now. I think Stafford can come back and have another you know, MVP caliber or in the running season. He was having one before he got hurt. But the question is, there's, a lot of, there's just a lot of question marks in this defense still. They're young. They're getting a lot better. I do think Sherrod Davis is a leader for the middle of that front, you know, for that front seven. And it's going to be exciting to watch him take over there. But 
like you said, I don't know if they've done enough in the secondary. And, you know, are they going to be able to run the football? Are they going to have running backs that could stay healthy? There's just a lot of question marks with both of these teams. And we'll get to the Vikings in a second. Yeah, I mean, the secondary, they're not going to be able to do anything to stop Rodgers. They don't have guys that can get after the football, really. So I was a little bit higher on the Lions than I thought I was, but I don't know. I could see them being like more of an 8-8, and 9-7 team just because you're going to get two wins from Chicago. I haven't really looked at the rest of their schedule, but you still have Matt Stafford that you can rely on. I mean, you have Arizona, you have Atlanta early on, you have the New York Giants early on, and they also have to play the AFC North. So it is a tough damn schedule um so i i'm with you guys i think detroit could be eight and eight nine seven ten and six they got greg robinson at left tackle so there's a big question mark there um let's the minnesota vikings i, I think pretty much you can say the same things that we just said about the lions if the offensive line is good the team will be good they could win 10 games but the offensive line is a huge question mark but their defense is rock solid they might have the best defense in the nfl Great pass rushers with Everson Griffin and Brian Robeson and Daniil Hunter. They are loaded up front. Super loaded. They, and they're paying these boys. Linval Joseph and Everson Griffin got paid. Uh, I think we're going to see an aggressive linebacking core and a good secondary. Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes, one of the best safety corner combos in the league. So uh, the quarterback position is getting interesting. Everyone knows you know, the love affair I have with Teddy Bridgewater. I want to see him take that job back. I have heard that Teddy... Is making really good progress. I mean, he could play if the season started today, but he wouldn't be at 100%. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sam Bradford struggles, what happens there. But I see this team fighting for a wild card spot. You know, they could win eight to 10 games and be very much in it throughout the year. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I think the, an X factor on this entire team is Dalvin Cook right now because, oh, yeah. because he would be an outlier if he has the same success he had in college because. No guy that tests in that bottom tier of the percentile really translates to being a superstar. You could be a solid running back to being a superstar. If he's the kind of playmaker at the next level that we saw in college, that changes everything for this team. Because like you said, Matt, they have a top defense, one of the best defenses in football. Now, if they can get a guy to help their current quarterback situation out, and he's a good pass catcher too, and you know Sam Bradford loves that dink and dunk, and even Teddy when he gets back in, he'll take advantage of getting the ball to the running backs out of the backfield. That would change everything for this team and put them right in that playoff conversation for sure. Yeah, that pickup of Dalvin Cook was huge for them because whoever their quarterback is, he's going to help out tremendously. Getting Dalvin Cook out of Florida was huge. Putting him away in Minnesota where he's not around, everybody that he's comfortable with was great for them. So I think he could really be instant impact there with you know, dink and dunk Sam Bradford or, catches. <laughs> yeah. or Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, my God. Yeah. There you go. There's your top PPR, one of your top PPR players no running joke. back to the show. Hey. <laughs> so elephant in the room, Green Bay Packers. I think we all expect they're going to be pretty damn good again, right? I mean, there's no surprise here. The question is probably, do you think they're the number one or two seed in the NFC? And I think they'll be the number one seed. I had them down for 12 and four, even with the tough schedule. Listen, they open uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be a tough game. Then they go to Atlanta. Uh, they have Dallas in week five at Dallas. It's a tough schedule. We will know a lot about this team when the season ends because they play Dallas, they play Pittsburgh, they play, uh, like I said, they play Atlanta, they play Seattle, um, they play Dallas. Jeez, this is a tough, they have a very tough schedule. So, but still, it's the NFL. When you have a great quarterback, you have a great team, and they have Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So I think they're going to be okay. The secondary could be their Achilles heel again. Um, yeah, I liked their draft class. A lot. 
I don't know if we're going to see Josh Jones and Kevin King make the type of year one impact that could put them over the top, though. Yeah, I really, really like Josh Jones, and I'm curious to see if, if his uh, development goes a lot faster than we expected. I do have some worries about Kevin King in the short term. I think long term would be fine, but like you said, Matt, how much are you going to get out of him right away? I don't think a whole lot, but this is, listen, they have the best player in the NFL. In my eyes, Aaron Rodgers is the best player in the NFL, and I think this is a team that will definitely win this division again, and I would put bet on them being the number one seed in the NFC. And right now, I think it's, I think they would be my Super Bowl pick, my way too early Super Bowl pick coming out of the NFC. Yeah, way too early Super Bowl picks, but definitely they can challenge the Cowboys for it. The only thing that I have questioned with is obviously the running backs, but you still have Aaron Rodgers. So I don't even know how much they really plan on running the ball. Plus, you know, I love one of their do. running backs. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, got your they also mo- have Martellus yeah. Bennett now. Yeah. So, yeah, he loves working with those tight ends. So now he has an actual target, not just a guy that's going to come in there and block. So I think they're the favorite early to win the NFC. Yeah, and we saw, like you mentioned Dallas, that great playoff game where they went head-to-head, and we saw Rodgers just be Aaron Rodgers, and that is enough to give you an advantage over every other team in the NFC. And I I think we talk about league-wide, the only team that could really keep pace with them is maybe the New England Patriots with Brady and Belichick and what they have. So that's our our wrap-up of the AFC and NFC North divisions. We're going to take a quick break, and then Mello and I will be back to finish off this week's episode with some draft-on-draft questions. All right, we're back here to close out Stick to Football, episode 17 already. It's Time is flying by. We're almost here to the season. We have six very good draft-on-draft questions for this week. Thank you guys, as always, for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, Here's what we want from you this week on iTunes. We want to know... Who would you pick to win the AFC North and NFC North? Leave that in your review. And hey, leave us a question for next week because we do always check those. It's sometimes even better. I think I, I actually see those. I don't always see everyone's tweets. There were some interesting iTunes reviews this week that I saw. Yeah, I mean, people are acknowledging how handsome I am. Yeah, that's the one that stood the out The most me. handsome NFL draft analysts. Yeah, I mean, you can't it's you or Mel Kuyper. It's me or Mel Kuyper. Yeah, sorry, Todd McShay. Sorry, Daniel Jeremiah. DJ's, DJ's a good-looking dude. Yeah. Form, those former quarterbacks always are, right? <laughs> oh. All right, let's get to the questions. Ryan T207 from an iTunes review wants to know, if you could have any player, past or present, have your back in a bar fight, who would it be? This, this is tough. This was a tough one. The first guy, like the very first guy that came to mind was Richie Incognito. He just seems like the crazy-ass guy that you would want there. You know he's going to be in the bar already. Right. So if you're going to throw down, might as well get one of the biggest guys in there. Our guy Taylor Lewan would be pretty high on my list. Beer yeah. drinker from Michigan. Got to be like pretty six tough. foot seven, long reach. Right. So I'm going to cheat because he says any player past or present. I'm on the, the rock, Dwayne Johnson. He played in the NFL for a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. Counts. Yeah, uh, you the, get The Rock. Right. Bill Goldberg. What about uh, Brock Lesnar? Wasn't Brock he on Lesner? the like yeah. practice squad for the Vikings for a day? The first one that came to mind for me, though, was Charles Haley, just because he back in the day he was crazy. I don't know how well he moves anymore, though, so I'd be worried about that. If I could have him at, like, 24, yeah. you know, when he was getting kicked out of meetings. Like, like 49ers, <laughs> Charles Haley. Yeah, then that would be pretty high on my list. In fact, this might be a good one. You guys can leave this in your iTunes. Which which player, past or present, would you want to have your back in a bar fight? 
the second question, um, and this is topical because I was just at Waffle House the other night. Anthony Mongo asked us on iTunes, which breakfast food is best, waffles or pancakes? This guy comes up with something every week. He's, he's creative. He's clutch. Yeah. He really is. <laughs> um, for me, it's waffles. I mean, they have the pretty much syrup bowls already there the for you. Yeah, that's just great, and you can't beat it. Plus, you get a little bit of a crunch if you want, or you can do, you know, cook them differently. But for me, it's no question waffles. So I actually don't like either one. Yeah, that's it, that's crazy. Because I don't like a lot of sweet at once. Like, do you remember back in the day when we would like go to Denny's at like three in the morning and I would get like chicken strips and pancakes because I need so many yeah. chicken waffles is really what I just need to start doing in my life. Yeah, but little biscuits and gravy. I would rather have too. I'd rather have scrambled eggs. Bacon and country style hash browns. Country style is like a sausage gravy on your hash browns. Oh, we could get into like a whole breakfast debate here, but I mean, if I have to choose waffles or pancakes, what's your go like ideal breakfast? Someone's cooking it for you. It's biscuits and gravy every day. Do you want sausage in that gravy? Yes, sir. A lot of pepper. Oh, you yeah, yeah. My pepper intake is crazy. (laughs) I don't do much salt, but I'll pepper the shit out of everything. Your heart thanks you for that, I'm sure. So, (laughs) yeah, ideal breakfast for me is. Scrambled eggs, bacon, and fruit, actually. Like, when we were in Florida and I was yeah. hungover every morning, would wake up to mom cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we take it our sounds parents, ridiculous. We take our parents on vacation. Mom cooks breakfast every morning. You don't judge us. It, it, it <laughs> don't helps. hate us because you ain't us. Yeah. You're just mad because you didn't think of it. Speaking of family, I believe this iTunes review is from a family member, uh, Austin Cham 33 I think I know who this is. It, he asked, it looks familiar. why do the Chiefs seem to be going into the season underrated? I put this question here for you because you have become the like the Chiefs hater. Yes, I'm the Chiefs hater. But I'll tell you, I don't think they are underrated. Just everybody's talking about the Raiders. Yeah. They I really still are. think the Chiefs are going to be very successful. And I'm, I think I'm finally off my whole they might go 8-8 eight and eight kick. Seems like Andy <laughs> Reid's really got the locker room where it should yeah. be. If you talk to any fans, they're still talking, oh, well, you can't wait to see Pat Mahomes. But, you know, we talked to some Chiefs guys this weekend, and they still know this is Alex Smith's team. And as long as it's Alex Smith's team, they can still be successful this year. Yeah, Mahomes came out as QB3 on the depth chart, and I'm going to write about that for this week's scouting notebook that comes out Thursday morning. Kind of my insights on what I'm hearing there. But, yeah, we I think we both agree that the Chiefs, they could win that division. They could be a playoff team. Oh, easily. Yeah, it's them or the Raiders. Yeah, it really is. Okay, let's move on to an America's team. Chase Arsenault asked on iTunes, in hindsight, do you think the Cowboys should have drafted Jalen Ramsey or Ezekiel Elliott given Zeke's off-field issues? I still think they're happy with Zeke. They know what they're doing. They're going to run this guy for five years and then cut him loose. So in like six or seven years, will they look back and say, man, we should have taken Ramsey? Probably, but they're having instant success right now with Zeke. He's probably the best runner in the league. Maybe not the best overall running back, but if you just got to turn around and hand the ball off, I want to give it to Zeke Elliott. I think that's a good way to put it. And you have to remember, they drafted him, and I know he said hindsight, but they drafted him because they thought they had a window with Romo. Turns out they have a big-ass window with Dak Prescott now. And Ramsey was good last year. He was my number one player in that 2016 draft class, so I'm very high on him. But he's still figuring out, you know, technique and and timing and things like that. So I I would go with Zeke as well, even with the the case of hindsight. What's interesting there is going to be watching the second-round picks, Miles Jack and Jalen Smith, to see if and when they become the guys we saw them be in college where they were both fucking amazing linebackers. Yeah. All right, let's move on to, to Austin Siebert asked on Twitter. This is my favorite question of the week. I, I should have saved it for last, but I didn't. Um, if you could give one athlete an injury-proof career, who would you choose? And for me, we were talking about this a little bit off air. 
For me, it says athlete. It doesn't say football player. So if I can choose any athlete, I'm choosing King Griffey Jr. Because that guy was amazing in Seattle. And then to see him get injured and kind of be injury plagued for his whole career after that, it was just, it was depressing as a kid. He was one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. And then the guy just can't stay healthy. So mine was Bo Jackson, which, I, and again, athlete, because, you know, we watched him, well, we didn't really get to watch him play for the Royals. I've seen some some historical highlights, yeah. but he was a little before my memory of, of watching them play. But watching him as a running back, you talk to people who say like this, he would have been the next year old Campbell. Like he would have been a top five NFL running back, but the hip injury that he suffered against the Bengals, you know, really, I mean, it ended his career as a football player. So Bo Jackson is the one that if I could change anything, I mean, you know, you you mentioned off air, Steve Young would be way up there because yeah. of the, the so many concussions. Troy Aikman would be up there. And, you know, I think the guy that this question probably comes from is Terrell Davis getting into the Hall of Fame this weekend. That's true. He yeah. had, you know, three or four decent years, but then his knee injury, he just could not stay on the field. When he was healthy, he was one of the best running backs in the league. And Barry Sanders was in the league that time. Yeah. I mean, this is a 2,000 yard rusher when they had John Elway and two 1,000 yard receivers. He was still carrying the rock. He was probably the most valuable player on their team when they were winning the Super Bowl. Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey, those two. Yeah, Shannon Shannon Sharp. Sharp. Yeah, that was a great team. All right, last question for this week. And again, thank you, everyone who followed on Twitter. Oh, I I should mention, we're giving away five free copies of Madden uh, on PS4. All you have to do is tweet us a picture of yourself watching the podcast, tweet it to at Stick to Football, and you're entered to win to the contest. There was some dude who like had his baby listening yeah, to the podcast. Some dude that just completely left me out. Uh, you you yeah, yeah, you might want to tag at Marshall Miller seven in those as well because there were some hurt feelings. Because yeah, he's not winning. We still got five. He's yeah, not winning. Still You're five out to go. One one of those is mine. So we might be getting four away. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the, the question of the week. Which is better? It's from Gary Schmidt uh, at GD Schmidt on uh on Twitter. All I could think of was New Girl when I read that. So that's why I chuckled to myself. <laughs> Goddamn Schmidt. Uh which is better, getting a player evaluation right or when someone really likes your beer recommendation? I would say player evaluation Same all day. I, mean, I don't care about beer recommendations. Yeah, you know, there's been guys in the past you've been doing this a lot longer that you've been high on and they still fall like an Alshon Jeffrey. And then you can come back years later and be like, "Oh, this is what I had to say about him. He was yeah. one of my top guys." Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's got to feel better every time. And if you don't like my beer recommendation, go to hell. I don't care. Yeah, I like, drink Bud Light and Natty Light. So if you don't like it, if you, you don't, don't like, sweat off my sack, man. I'm like still drinking it. Beer-flavored water recommendation <laughs> that Melo gives you, he's not going to be upset. Um, we did have some good beer at Boulevard, and we should thank them for letting us hang out Saturday. Uh, the Saison Brett was was delicious. And then I think I, I think between you and Peter, you guys handed me six Boulevard Wheats at once. Yeah, and, you know, they took great care of us because it was packed in there, too. And the lines were incredibly long. They were still getting people through there. Got some free beers from them, even. It was a great time. So definitely thank you to Boulevard for getting us in and taking care of us. Yeah, well, that does it for the show this week. Um, we're going to miss you, man. We're going to have to figure out times. to Maybe yeah. you can, like, cut class and record the podcast with us. Or I can let- just pop in a video. You know, students do, and yeah. I'll step out in the hallway and I'll record the podcast with just, you guys. You're a science teacher. Just let them watch Al Gore's movie. I think yeah. it's the first one. Well, I'm going to watch the second one too when it comes out. But just yeah. watch a movie and pop in a movie, and I'll be back in a, you know, an hour. Or so. Yeah, you have a couch. You can just sit on the <laughs> I couch. Do have a couch in my classroom. The only teacher with a couch in the classroom. <laughs> All right, guys, that's episode 17. Come back next week. We've got a San Francisco 49er. Thank God we finally got a Niner. DeForest Buckner is going to be with us next week. Have a great show. Your draft on draft questions. Our intern, Kennedy, starts next week. You know we're going to give her hell. We might run her through the gauntlet. We're trying to decide exactly what we'll do, but we have a big show. Thanks for listening. 
follow us on Twitter at Sick Football. And please, please, please keep reviewing and rating on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.